Hello, friends. Welcome to the Climbing Fierce podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping devoted Christ followers on the higher journey as they climb towards the plans, purposes, and presence of God. This podcast is built around the idea that life's not just a journey, but rather a purposeful climb to sovereign heights. I'm Hannah Schaefer, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Dr. Claudia Dempsey. We welcome you to journey alongside us as we explore common hangups, setbacks, and growth points on the journey of life, as well as some key strategies and resources so we can collaboratively climb together to reach new heights. This is Climbing Fierce. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our ninth episode. We are so grateful to have you join us on this adventure as we grow in and towards our purpose and capacity to live more fully aligned with God's plans for our lives. Claudia, today we have the pleasure of getting to know you and your story a little bit better. But before we do that, I want to address a question that came in from a listener. This listener was wondering how God prompted you to start this podcast and the ministry it's connected with, which is Growth Point Perspective. So maybe just give us a little view into the process of praying through a big decision like that and um, maybe some of the big markers. Um, Yeah, you know what? This actually ties into some of what we talked about in that very first episode of Why in the World, another podcast. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? Um, That's a question I keep asking myself. What in the (laughs) world are we doing? Um, I think it really does tie into coming into 2023, just saying, all right, Lord, new year, anything I need to be mindful of? Am I where I need to be be doing what I need to be doing? And there was this sense of, I want you to be readying the bride. Mm -hmm. And I was like, uh, like what does that mean mm-hmm. that just sounds so holy mm-hmm. can you send some notes with that define <laughs> that um and so that's what this came from trying to realistically consider what are some ways to get the word out now as, as an educator I'm already working in the classroom and so I'm like well so beyond that if mm-hmm. I'm already invested there and this this kind of encouragement is to be readying the bride how do I add on to that and this was this was a consideration. And honestly, Hannah, I'm gonna point this back to you. You immediately came to mind. I was, and we had not our paths had not crossed for years, mm-hmm. aside from a brief teaching moment, I guess, a couple months prior. Yeah. So uh, we had been off each other's radar for quite a few years. And but when I, I for everybody, anybody listening, I had invited Hannah to come speak to one of my classes. Actually, I invited Hannah's team to come, and right. I didn't even know Hannah was part of that team. So my dear friend Hannah shows up, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's Hannah. And watching you speak that day, I was I was actually looking around the classroom like, is any is anybody getting this? Are they seeing how anointed this woman is and what is mm-hmm. happening here? And from that point, I'm like, I'm going to, I need to do something with Hannah. I don't know what it's going to be. I need to connect with her. We've got to do something. And so as this started unfolding, it was like, all right, Lord, how do we just communicate your truth? How do we help others get ready for the return of the bridegroom, get, get more diligent and consistent in walking out their faith and more victorious in what this journey looks like? Um, and this is kind of the unfolding of how we got to mm-hmm. where we are today. Yeah. And to give you guys a little just uh, peek into my side of things. Um, You know, I've been in my job for six years and I said to my husband before I taught at that class, 
man, I just like, I wonder what I'm going to do when I'm done with this season. Not saying that it's coming to a close and, you know, I'm still in that season, but, um, you know, what, what, what's it going to look like? I just wonder, will I be fully stay at home? Will I have a little something on the side? Will God totally just blow my expectations? So we're having that conversation. And then, um, you know, we're about to have our second kid. So when Claudia was, uh, bringing this up, I'm like, okay, God, is this like, cool right thing in the world really wrong time yeah Um, we talked about that is this mm -hmm. a good thing for you but bad timing right I'm like Lord tell her this is good timing (laughs) (laughs) no she's totally kidding she was the best about like if it's not supposed to be you then the Lord will bring somebody else Um, but I have to tell you guys even teaching in that class um, I was going to let somebody else step in and teach and I had another leader who I hope to actually interview at some point on this podcast, but he said to my co-leader, no, Hannah Schaefer needs to be in there. And I don't know why he said that, (laughs) but I could have not been in that room. But, Mm. you know, we talk a lot about the journeying process and, um, you know, this was a part of the journey that God had. So I'm grateful to be here and thank you for sharing all of that. I know for some of our listeners, they may be thinking through and praying through some big decisions. So it's always helpful to hear other mm, people's absolutely uh, stories. Speaking of stories, today we get to talk about a very personal experience that Claudia, you had um, with your family as you encountered a very traumatic event, you know, but through it all, from what I understand, you have really seen God's hand of providence at work in this story. And so, you know, we want to go ahead and dive into that story. Can you tell our listeners about the time you received that early morning call from your local hospital? Yeah, absolutely. So it was June. It was a few summers back and I was home that particular morning uh, talking to a friend. It was early morning and I can't recall if I was on with her or had just got off. So either the call came in and I kind of like, hey, I've got to jump off. I got a call coming in or I just finished. And I answered the call and the woman on the other end asks for me and she proceeds to tell me that my mom is in surgical ICU area of the local hospital. And, but she was so odd. It was really an odd conversation. So I'm trying to get some more information. I'm trying to press her for some questions. What happened? What are the details? She was so cryptic. She was so odd. She wouldn't, it was like information just could, would not be had. And all I knew was that something was very serious. Something Mm -hmm. was going on and it was, it was concerning. So I immediately got off the phone with her and I called my husband who was uh, working as a police officer at the time. And I knew he was downtown by the hospital, and I just said, babe, I don't, I don't know what's going on, but something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Can you get down to the hospital? I'm still in my PJs here. Let me get ready, and I'll be down as soon as I can. Go see what's happening with my mom. So I get ready. The hospital is maybe you know, 15, 20 minutes away. So I was there within like 30, 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I pull my car in, and I'm like, beeline to the door. Let me in. And he's standing out front, and I'm getting ready to like literally run, physically run into the building. He's like, Claudia, I'd like for you to take a seat. Now, I mean, that was oh, just no. preposterous. Take mm-hmm. a seat. Uh, I'm like, nope. I'm, I want to go in. Is my mom, is she okay? Is she dying? What, what is happening here? Don't tell me to take a seat. But he was just in, in such earnestness. Like, I really want to ask if you'll take a seat. So then he proceeds to tell me that the night before that uh, my mom had been shot multiple times and then my grandmother had been shot and killed. And I, sitting on that bench at the hospital, I just remember, shot, shot. And there were people around like looking at me, like I couldn't even contain like the shock. Mm-hmm. And the, 
Um, and I'm like, is she alive? Is she alive? He's like, yes, she's alive. I'm like, I'm, and I just, I don't even remember what happened from that point. I just got up and I ran to the hospital. I'm like, if she's alive, I just need to see yeah. my mother. And he didn't have any details. See, we didn't know what was going on. But mm-hmm. Hannah, this was just absolutely the most outlandish thing that, you know, I could have heard. So I ran upstairs to the hospital and uh, there's police everywhere. Uh, and like, I'm not, they're not even letting me in. And I like need identification. I'm like, that's my mom. I've got to prove that I'm her mom, um, that I'm her daughter. And my husband being there is trying to talk to like, hey, everybody, it's okay. She's with me. Let her in. We're good. You know, so then I run in and then running into that hospital room, um, saw my mom hooked up to every machine imaginable. Mm. Um, uh, but she was alive. Mm. And so um, it was it was just crazy. But you know, my mom's idea of excitement in this season of her life was a good Sudoku book. You know, so I'm like, what in the world yeah. did we end up here? Um, but I mean, what I had learned was that there was a gunman who had stood outside her home the night before. And my mom's a bit of a night owl. So it was maybe about 1130 at night. She was watching TV, um, just doing her, honestly, doing her Sudoku book. Mm. And in the room right adjacent to her, my grandmother who lived with her was, was sound asleep. And a gunman who stood maybe 15 feet away from her with a laser-guided gun just took aim and shot at her multiple times. So from Mm. my mom's story, my mom says, you know, she's just sitting there and she hears like a pow, 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 pow. And she's like, oh, gosh, I think that was a gunshot. Boy, that really sounds kind of close. But she is in a rural community. Like, wow, it's just odd that somebody would be, you know, firing a, a weapon this time of the evening. And then she's like, ow. And she looks and she starts to see blood down her oh shirt. She's goodness. like, oh my gosh, they're shooting at me. So mm. at 74 years of age, she gets up. Now, they're in a ranch. So where my grandmother's sleeping is a bedroom. And then where my mom is was a converted bedroom that they mm-hmm. had turned into the kind of the living area. It looked like mm-hmm. a TV room for my grandmother. Okay. So my mom would just sit close by if my grandmother ever needed anything at night. So she gets up and she runs out of the room as she's still hearing firing, you know. So now, and she she says this in this split second. Now, again, she's been shot multiple times through her torso. She's standing right outside the door, outside the line of fire. And she has to think, do I go check on my mom and run back through the line of fire? Or do I go get help? What do I do? And she's like, mm-hmm. I, what am I going to do to help my mom? You know, I've got to get us help. So she runs to yet another bedroom, which is across the hall. And she calls 911. And she doesn't know, is this, is this person going to come in? Like, or, why are they here doing this? Right. There's this beyond comprehension. So the likelihood of them coming in, they saw me get up and run. They're going to come finish the job. So she goes and she barricades herself into the bathroom. And I'm sure it had to feel like hours. You know, it was probably just, oh, yeah. you know, a few minutes, mm-hmm. but waiting for the police to arrive. So she's barricaded in that bathroom. And then they they do arrive. Um, and they, um, it's interestingly, so my mom, you know, sees the lights and she's like, oh my gosh, thank God. Okay. So she, she's like, okay, I've got to let them in. I've got to let them in. They've got to help me. They've got to help my mom. So she goes to the front door and she opens it and they all put their guns on her. They're oh like, get goodness. down, get down. And she's like, I can't, like, she honestly, she's like, I, I can't move. I can't even bend. I'm in so much pain. And oh. she's like, I can't get down. They're like, get down on the ground. And so her hands are up. She's got blood coming all down her. Ugh. And they finally realize she's the victim. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh. So they run in and they get her on a, you know, get her onto a gurney, get her into an ambulance and they're racing off to the local hospital. And she remembers, you know, you know, at this point, I don't even know if she was like, I don't know 
I don't recall her speaking about where, you know, my grandmother was in her thinking at this point, but mm-hmm. she remembers very clearly them calling and they're like, make way, we, you know, we've got come in, one coming in, multiple GSWs, multiple gunshot wounds, um, and we've got one DOA. And I mean, my mom at that point knows that her mother was just murdered. I mean, mm. so Hannah, to like use this language for my family to say murdered, you know, mm-hmm. shot. Like this is this is so outlandish. It doesn't, it's the most preposterous thing. Mm-hmm. So um, that walking through that and watching her was was absolutely beyond comprehension. But here's where we talked about providence just a moment ago. This is where... I saw God's hand of providence in this. So this shooting took place on a Tuesday. Um, that, it was Tuesday night. So I didn't find out till an early Wednesday morning. Um, so that Monday morning, so shooting on a Tuesday, that Monday morning, I'm in my devotions. I'm just here at home journaling. And I just felt very clearly God break into that time of devotions and ask this question, Claudia, are you ready for a challenge? And it was so clear. I really, I've got the journal. I wrote it down. I'm like, Claudia, are you ready for a challenge? If this is God asked, and I said this, I'm like, Lord, if you're asking, the answer is no, because this isn't like yeah. just a small little thing. Mm-hmm. If you're asking, this is going to be huge and no, nope. At no point would I say, yeah, I totally feel ready. Mm-hmm. But I remember saying in that moment, I'm like, Lord, whatever you send my way, I will walk through anything you send. If you'll carry me mm-hmm. and you'll give me the strength and you'll enable me to walk through it. So I, you have to know coming into that shooting, I knew that I knew God was in this somehow. Now, as we just talked about in the last episode, how do you make sense of things that just that are beyond comprehension? You don't always make sense of those, but you hold to the truth of who God is in the midst of those. So that was the first thing. And then second, you know, is the fact that my mom was shot um, three times in her, in her torso, one in her side, um, one, two in her chest. Um, and if you, we saved the screen from where the, you know, because it was so fascinating, these bullets were clustered in maybe something the size of like a half dollar or silver, you know, they were so small. They were six shots fully aimed at my mom with the intent to kill. There's really no reason from 15, 15 feet away. She was just sitting perfectly still. He had a laser guided handgun. There's no way my mom should have survived. But Tuesdays were my mom's day of praying and fasting every Tuesday, all day long. And I honestly think that's why my mom survived. There's no reason why my mom should have been able to get up and walk away, Um, but she did. And so, you know, you can look at things like this and say, this is horrific. Could Mm -hmm. a good God be in the middle of this? And yet we knew through it that God was very much part of this. And we just saw instance after instance where God really did show up. One one more thing, Um, I had been working at my place of employment. Um, so this took place in June. Um, I had been, um, what is, what's the expression when you're let go, but you're laid off. I had been laid off. A a big group had been laid off from, from this place. Um, and it was right at the end of June. So I was at a job where I was probably working 60 hours a week. I was really demanding. I was, I tried to be home as much as I could and be present for my kids, but it was, I was gone a lot. Um, and suddenly now I was laid off. So when my mom left the hospital, you know, a, a week or so later, she came to stay with us and I was now home. I was home the entire time for that. She came in and at 24 seven, I mm-hmm. was there to help her recover, wow. walk with her through that process. And then amazingly, so all of July, 
that summer, I was with my mom. I got a call to come back August 1st. Um, I had that the one month. I've never had a month off. Wow. I've, I can't ever recall a time when I've had a month. Mm-hmm. I had the one month off when my mom needed it to be there and walk with her and to walk with my kids, to walk with my kids through this. Yeah. Um, who were teenagers. Uh, that was our whole family was just shaken to the core. Mm-hmm. So to be home and to be so central to see that only God could give me this time off. Not only was I brought on, but they um, they were able to kind of just bring me on in such a way that like no time was lost. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely amazing to see how God can move miraculously even when it seems like tragedy comes at its worst. Wow. I have so many questions. So yeah, just I just gonna, rattled like no, a whole lot. Yeah. No, <laughs> the story is is breathtaking and not like a not a great way. Right, right. Um, I mean, it, it literally puts me beside myself. To mm. tr- I can't I can't even put myself into your shoes. Like I'm sitting here trying to do that. And um, my first question is, you know, my natural response if that's my mom and my grandma is anger like why would somebody do this Mm. at least I think that would be my response so for you how did you process through some of those emotions and do you feel like some of those emotions were okay to feel in the in light of what was going on you know I think because I had that Monday morning Mm -hmm. Claudia are you ready for a challenge in my mind through all of this that I didn't have any anger Wow. And and I think God's grace mm-hmm. truly. Um, at no point was there anger. Um, it, interestingly, sometimes there was a little bit of fear because we didn't know why this had happened. Right. And uh, my husband, who was an officer at the time, he actually w- was a detective, and he had a case coming up with a pretty pretty ugly guy who mm-hmm. who just was not a, he was not a good guy. And everybody actually thought it was this guy trying oh. to. Um, kind of take action against my husband inadvertently, like, hey, you back off or mm-hmm. look what's going to happen. Um, because nothing else made sense. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, there's nothing. And they scoured every, like, who could this be? And the, the police, you know, on it, the state police were on it, the couple different, the local jurisdictions partnered together to figure out. But um, so we actually had police, 24-hour police supervision at our house for a couple of weeks. Wow. Um, so outside our door, there were cops. And so my kids were like, what is happening? Right. Are we next? And so trying to walk them through. And so we, um, you know, put up lots of cameras. We made, tried to make lots of good choices. So every now and then fear would creep in of like, what, what was this? Mm-hmm. But um, honestly, that was minimal. Uh, through it all was just a sense of, all right, Lord, what are you doing? Because um, I feel like you were, he was in it every step of the way. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit more about how you led yourself through this process, but also while leading your family to process, like you were saying with your kids and even I imagine like your mom is processing <laughs> what's gone on and just, yeah. What did that look like? Well, I will say, you know, initially, it's probably a very good thing our body goes into the shock response. And I don't know that I felt a lot of emotion initially. Okay. It was just like secure the world, like secure my kids. We, we had family yeah. come in from everywhere, all across, the, you know, everybody's across different places of the U.S. Everybody came in and there was a tribe of us here for a while. Um, and so it was more of, it was like, what in the world just happened. That was probably the biggest fear more than um, sorting through the anger, the, the other, 
other feelings. So for my kids, it was, hey, I'm going to tell you, God is a good God. Let's cling to this. And I even then shared, I'm like, you are not going to believe what happened to me Monday morning. And we just, we just chose to kind of cling to God. In fact, I think it was the very first day I saw my mom in the hospital, or it was the next day. So very, very early on in this process, um, we said, um, we can't wait to see what God does through this. We're just going to, what, what is our God going to do? We can't wait to see what he does. He's going to do something incredible. And let's, let's purpose ourselves to give him glory and to see that he's glorified wherever it comes down to us and our part in contributing to this process. Wow. Uh, last podcast, we used some phrasing that was, you know, God is not going to lead you where he's not going to. He's not going to leave you, right? He's not going to lead you and then leave you and there. And then leave you. Yeah. yeah. Um, thank you, Claudia. It was just filling in the gaps for me. <laughs> I had it and then it was gone. <laughs> um, apparently I need to write it on my mirror. <laughs> but, um, you know, this is a testimony that like Mm. Claudia is not just all talk over here. Like she has had to walk this out in her life in a very, um, real and recent way. And, um, I don't know if it's appropriate to say like, I applaud you for that (laughs) because no one would like wish that upon a friend, but, um, I just am grateful for your story. Uh, I'm wondering how did your mom respond to all of this? Like, I know that she's a woman of faith. Did she go through a, a time of um, where she felt confused or um, did she feel frustrated? I mean, she was there f- for her own mother's death right. and it was horrific. And right. so I'm just wondering how your mom responded in, in some of this. No, great question. So interestingly, and my mom and I have talked about this. Oh gosh, I can't even count the, the times we've had conversations. But she and I very uniquely, and this has got to be just God's grace, and we do see his grace show up in special times when we really need it. But we were both of kind of the same mindset here of like, mm-hmm. wow, what, what is our God going to do? All right, now what do we do? How do we walk through this? How do we do this well? How do we, how do we serve those around us in a way that positions them to see his glory? But interestingly, mm-hmm. so many in our family they were in counseling from this. Um, they're trying to process this. Like, how do you get through this? But I will say my mom was miraculously spared a lot of I think we both were in some some bizarre way, spared mm-hmm. some of the that that deep hurt. And we just stepped right into a place of, okay, God, all right, lead us through. Show us how you want us to walk out so that you are glorified. And I think that was for both of us. At the end of the day, our biggest request was, Lord, make your name great through something that is so ugly. Make your name great. Um, so kind of going back to the story, but what was it really like to walk into her ho- her hospital room? Like to see your mom alive, but also hooked up to so many units and... Yeah. Oh, gosh. That, um, so... Yeah, I'm not an overly emotional person. People joke that I like have the emotions of a guy. I I'm like I'm not What? Stu- yeah, I, I feel like real. that's not yeah. true. Like I'm just not typically very emotional. They're like, aren't girls a little more emotional? I'm like, I don't know. I can't I can't make be there what's not there. But um, <laughs> oh man, I walked into the room and just the floodgates. Mm. And I just kept saying to her, I'm like, mom, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm like, I think that I probably said that about, I didn't know what else to say. Like, I felt so sorry. I mean, like it beyond comprehension that in full in that moment, innocence of just the, of 
you know, you'll hear sometimes that where there's a crime and you're like, well, it seemed like a couple of bad folks got into a bad situation and some bad things happened. Mm-hmm. But when you see a true a crime where there's a true victim, mm-hmm. I, I, man, that just tugs at your heart in a way. And not that the other crimes are okay at all, but this, when, when somebody is just, their role in that is pure innocence. They're not doing anything wrong and they're, they receive the byproduct of somebody else's evil intentions. And so I was sorry for her. I felt so bad for her. And of course the pain and she, she had tubes and one of the bullets had hit a rib and it punctured a lung, um, pierced a lung, punctured, I don't know. It, mm-hmm. it, uh, so her lung had to be kind of, I guess, reinflated a little bit wow. and she had drainage because of whatever and coming out her side. So she had tubes in like into her side. Mm. Um, so just, she was very, very uncomfortable and a lot of pain. And the one shot, interestingly, um, actually part of it went in and then it kind of came out and it gave her like a burn across her chest which was massive it wasn't you would think like a bullet so small this burn i don't even understand was massive so like she couldn't even move like the pain of moving so she was obviously very uncomfortable um and so just wanting wanting to help her and you know feeling bad for any pain she'd be feeling but then again honestly so I, I was surprised. I mean, now I'm not, but in the moment I, the gratefulness that I felt that she was alive was beyond anything I could. I mean, it was off the charts. Mm-hmm. I was like every pore of my body mm-hmm. was oozing this gratefulness that my mom's alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, this just shows like you can't imagine the slew of thoughts, yeah. the slew of feelings. Because um, even I'm like, oh, well, duh. Why Why did I ask Claudia if she felt angry? And in that moment, yeah. you're just like so grateful that, yeah. you know, you get to hug your mom and talk yeah. to her. And yeah. um, I just, I truly cannot believe that she took that many bullets. Mm-hmm. You know, you described the screen. Mm-hmm. Like it was targeted. Yes. And the fact that she was able to go run call somebody, barricade herself, make it to the hospital. Like it is, it's really a miracle. It really is. I, That's why I keep telling her, I'm like, mom, I, the Lord's not done with you. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's yet still to come for mm-hmm. her. And she's a bit of a prayer warrior, warrior. So maybe it's just her prayers for all of us. I'm hmm. like, mom, you may be yeah. here getting the rest of us through. Sure. Um, but I know I'm like, he's got more for you to do because there's no way that it doesn't line up. She mm-hmm. should not have walked away. So Claudia, you mentioned that this, uh, you know, this occurred a couple of years ago. I think everybody would love to know, like, what is the update with your family? Yeah. You know, interestingly, we did not see maybe some of the results we would have liked. So about two weeks after all this occurred, they did pick up an individual they thought was the gunman. Um, they have the weapon, but due to some improper processing of the evidence and those things you hear on the stories um he was actually able to he was let go so that was that whole story was a little bit difficult to swallow um but this was he'd been in in prison for about two years before things began to fall apart um and it was it was during the covid season so we were supposed to be in court much sooner but covid we kept postponing the court date um and as we got closer to when we could actually go to court, there was a realization that a lot of things went wrong in the handling of the case. So um, that in itself was a whole nother journey of saying, um, Lord, wow. Because 
for a long time, I felt like there wasn't a period yet at the end of this sentence. I felt like there was more to come. And I'm like, Lord, I'm, I'm ready. Whenever you're going to do whatever you're going to do to, to somehow bring justice to this or bring glory to your name in a really evident way. And we're like, okay, surely this will be the time that happens. And like, oh, oh, he's getting, he's actually out on the streets. Mm. Um, and then he did go, he traveled up to, um, the New England area and he hurt someone very, very badly. And I think he'll be in prison now for the rest of his life. So, um, it was, it was unfortunate, unfortunate how everything turned around. But so where we are all these years later, um, still trying to actually have the case reviewed by an independent reviewer. So, um, that the process of going through some of these things really does take years, which is crazy. So, um, I think my mom would like at this point just a sense that justice was served even even though he's already in prison and even though he's probably not getting out so i our court case yet has not seen its day um we've not seen our day in court i guess i should Mm say uh looks like that could come and we're still waiting for some of these details to get worked out wow oh that's a really hard hard pill to swallow um i can't help but think that, you know, justice is never going to be perfectly Mm. satisfied this side of heaven. Mm -hmm. Um, But that, you know, the Lord will have perfect justice when he returns. And even practically in your story, like the hope to cling on to when that is a dissatisfying answer. It's frustrating. And it's the answer is so elongated too. you know, you're not right, right. It's not been a quick process. Well, but there is still this, you know, so we talked about the Red Sea in the last episode where Mm -hmm. God does the miraculous and suddenly there's a pathway that opens up that was never there. Mm -hmm. And our, our prayer is like, Lord, do something. We're not, Mm -hmm. we're not given, this was so significant and so big that we don't dwell on it regularly. I mean, there's even now weeks that go by, it's not even on my mind, but, um, there's very much still something that time to time we're like, Lord, use this somehow Mm -hmm. we're we don't think he's fully done with whatever this is going to be and we may never know this side of heaven what he's going to do but just holding out the hope of like god you do what only you can do and in a way that just you alone are glorified yeah yep and part of that may even be the fact that you're getting to share this story with so many people right Okay, I want to invite you, Claudia, to just take a minute to speak to our listeners who maybe have experienced very traumatic things, maybe similar to your story, maybe very different, um, but just maybe speak to someone who is walking through or has walked through a, a very difficult, evil situation. Yeah, you know, it's easy to sometimes think that you're alone in, in what you experience or that, yeah, surely ours was just a one-off, but um, as, as I was sharing earlier that we actually were invited to go meet with the Virginia Attorney General. He was doing a victim advocacy group trying to change some some laws pertaining to victims. And there present in that meeting were maybe 20 to 30 victims of some pretty horrific crimes. And as we listened and heard the stories, we were so moved of like, oh my goodness, there are people out there who are hurting and you you think your story may be so rare. So I would just say to that person who's, who's experiencing something that has been so shocking or so deeply unexpected or profoundly painful to just one that it's, it's easy to feel very isolated and to know that you, there's a tribe of others who have gone through some very deep things. And while we may not all be connected in, in very clear networked ways, um, that there are others 
who very much can can resonate with your story. So I would even say if any if that fits anybody, please feel free to reach out. Again, hello at growthpointperspective.com. We'd love to hear your story. Maybe you're on the other side of it and you can tell some of what has transpired and what you've gleaned and how you've grown, or maybe you're very much in the middle of it and it is nothing but darkness and, and pain in the moment. And And I would just say too, I guess the other thing is, I'm telling you, God is so faithful. He's so faithful. And the enemy will not be more victorious than the Lord. Mm-hmm. And we've got to hold on. We've got to hold on to that hope. And almost in the face of opposition, when when all we see looks like loss and defeat, our God is and will forever be victorious. Hold on and just wait and see what he does. Mm. I've heard this said that um, when you feel like you can't hold on to God through a situation that you just like throw yourself at him and say, all right, you're going to have to hold on to me. Mm, that's good. Right. And I appreciate right. that because he knows that we are weak, that we're needy, yeah. that we have weak arms and hand muscles to hang on through something. And there's no as... textbook way to handle trauma. Yeah. So, and I, I, maybe that's one more thing I'll add in. You yeah. actually just reminded me, Hannah, that it don't feel like this needs to look pretty. Don't feel like this needs to be, it needs to look like my story or it needs to look like somebody else's story. The individual journey of walking through trauma is going to be so very individualized and we are all going to need a slightly different pathway and we're going to need lots of time and lots of grace. We're not going to do it all well. There's going to be lots of messy moments and emotions we don't get and understand and give ourselves permission. They're like, okay, I'm going to walk this journey. In fact, I was just telling my husband this morning, we were talking, I'm like, you know, I've come to this realization I don't think there are destinations on this earthly journey. <laughs> I think it's just all journey with these momentary, um, where we these stops, where we have a layover, where mm-hmm. we get to pause for a moment, but then we're yeah. back on a journey. Yeah. And just know that on this journey that you're not alone, but don't feel like you've got to make sense of it all because sometimes it's not something we can make sense of. I like that. I feel like we're going to have to do a podcast on it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Claudia, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I am so deeply grateful and I know so many will be uh, so deeply grateful to hear, you know, what God has done in and through this uh, part of your journey, if you will, um, without a destination, maybe in sight. Well, you know, as Claudia said, we want to be a place where you can find encouragement and community and help as much as we can provide. So please visit our website. Um, you know, we would love to hear from you. Send in your story to our email, any of those things. Um, you know, we would just love to to partner with you in any way that we can. Um, and if you'd like to send Claudia's story to a friend or a family member, you can send them this podcast, or there's also a video recording of this story located on our website. Um, if you are more of a visual person, it is also located there as always. Thanks for joining us. And we hope you're encouraged to go climb higher. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast, wherever you stream your podcasts. Be sure to check out today's show notes for more resources, links, and helpful tools on today's topic. You can find these resources and more on our website at www.growthpointperspective.com. If this podcast has been at all impactful for you or someone you know, let us know, leave us a review, or send it to a friend who might need to hear about today's topics. And if you have any questions or an episode idea for us, or you want to get in contact with our team, email hello at growthpointperspective.com. 
Until next time, friends, go climb fierce.